0: spend some time uh, in prayer now i'd love for you to join me so how about we pray uh, Dear do wonderful and glorious god we thank you for the rain we thank you for the sun father we thank you for your son jesus father we thank you that before the beginning of time before anything came into being you knew what was needed you knew that our sins would be many and that there would need to be a payment and so you plan right from the beginning to send your son jesus to pay that debt that we couldn't to die on the cross to take our sin so that we may be right before you but more than that you didn't leave your son dead that you rose him from the dead so that we who trust and believe in him, knowing that our debt has been cancelled. We know too that we, like him, will rise to new life when this life ends and we will spend eternity with you and with our saviour Jesus. So Father, we are so thankful for this reality. Father, we thank you that we have this even in amongst all the difficulties and the trouble that we face at the moment. And so, Father, I want to pray for those of us who are in isolation at the moment and are doing it uh, tough, whether that be uh, in, our, in, our, in our minds, in our thinking, in our uh, emotions. Father, I ask that uh, that you would be with each of us. Father, that you be our peace and our comfort. Father, that we would cry out to you with all the things that we are feeling, that we would lay them before you. Father, I pray... That, uh, that you will, through your Spirit, encourage us and prompt us to reach out and to call those that we know who are around us who might be struggling uh, during this time of isolation. Father, we pray that we would be good friends, that we would show the love and the truth of Jesus. Father, we pray for any person who is... Uh, is just feeling really lonely or depressed at the moment or really deeply saddened. we pray father that that they would reach out for help that they would talk about it they would call someone and father we pray for us too as a church as we're not able to meet face to face father we pray that we would not get out of the habit of meeting together here online but also out of the habit of praying for one another father we pray that we would lift up one another in prayer to you daily father we also pray for those who are making decisions our premier and our prime minister and all the, the the leaders around our country at the moment as they seek to ease up restrictions and to plan a way back to something that resembles what we were at before father we ask that you give them wisdom and insight but a wisdom and an insight that that is not uh, mere earthly or human wisdom but a wisdom that comes from you Father, we pray that you would help them to make wise and right decisions. Father, we pray too that you would help us, whether we agree or disagree, to respect those in leadership over us and that we would do all we can to help one another during this time. Father, we pray too for the many uh, church leaders around our country and around the world as they are doing church in a way that they were never trained to do we were never trained to do. Father, we pray that you would continue to equip uh, the leaders of your church, those who are shepherding your people here on earth. Father, that you would help them to connect and to continue to disciple and encourage and preach your word faithfully. And Father, we pray knowing that you are a God who fulfills his promises. And Father, there was a wonderful rainbow just the other day that just reminds us when you promise something, that you keep that promise. And you have promised that you will be with us to the end of the age. And so Father, we pray that we would hold firm to that hope, to that promise, to that truth. Amen.
1: From Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces on your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realise that it is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will not know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends put
2: them to death. Hello, everyone. Uh, we're in week two in our sermon series in the book of Daniel, and uh, in the previous chapter we see that Daniel has uh, and, his, and his mates were taken from their home and brought into this foreign land in Babylon. Um, now they're living in this foreign land, and, and the book of Daniel tells this incredible story of their struggle uh, to maintain hope in a land of conquerors. There is a tension in the first half of the book. A question of, will Daniel and his friends give up their identity as Jews under such great pressure? But we learn that these friends, they are wise and they are capable, and despite the pressure throughout the whole uh, of the first half of this book, uh, they do not give up their Jewish identity. They are faithful to the Torah, and at the end of the first section of the book, they are raised up into positions of authority. They also succeed by being true to their identity, not by being culturally relevant, uh, but by being strong and wise. In chapter 1, we saw a great um, example of their strength um, as they refused to have their identities changed by the Babylonians. This passage is one that gives a glimpse of their wisdom, uh, the wisdom of these men. Um, But before I get into that, I want to pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, please give me the wisdom. Um, as I speak from your word, Lord, I pray that uh, despite this strange online um, nature, that people will be able to focus um, and Lord, I pray that um, people will be able to willing to hear. Um, amen. All right. So now wisdom is a really interesting topic. It's really hard to pin down what's good wisdom and, and what's not with so much um, wisdom surrounding us. There's, there's just so much available. My first thought was to look at some of the wisest people in the world according to secular wisdom. Um, So I've just cherry-picked some of a few quotes to get a gist um, of the wisdom of the world. Uh, Firstly, uh, do or do not, there is no try. Now, this is an important message about perseverance and getting stuff done from Yoda um, in Star Wars. Uh, Secondly, it is not despair, for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. This is about the importance of hope in times of trial from Gandalf, a wizard in Lord of the Rings. Um, Now now for some real people. Uh, Ancient Greece gave us Socrates. um, And he said the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. Okay. Uh, But this this is about continuing to question everything. Um, uh, Finally, uh, the final one is a German philosopher called Nietzsche. Um, To live is to suffer. To survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Now, this is uh, a very bleak piece of wisdom, but it's, it's this guy's trying to find the meaning of life um, and doing some thinking around there. All this wisdom isn't necessarily bad, um, but these examples help us realize that wisdom can come from anywhere. From an ancient Greek man um, standing on the Acropolis um, to a little green man, alien, with big ears in a swamp. Um, when we turn to the passage we had fantastically read uh, for us today, we see that Um, when King Nebuchadnezzar has an issue, he looks for wisdom in people like these, uh, in the wise men of Babylon. Now, if you've got your Bibles open uh, still, follow along with me as I'm going to start at verse one. It says here, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Today, I'm going to look at the wise men in this passage. I want to be able to compare the wise men of Babylon that we were just introduced to, and um, Daniel and his friends. The passage passage starts with the Babylonians, and straight away we see a red flag about their legitimacy. The king looks at these guys and says, I can't trust you as far as I can throw you. In verse 9, Nebuchadnezzar even goes so far as to think that if he had told them the dream, they would just, uh, it says he, have conspired to tell him misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. Nebuchadnezzar reckons that if he tells them the dream, they'll just make some up, uh, make up some interpretation that helps them. And so... Nebuchadnezzar gives them an impossible task, as we see in verse 5, which says, The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not meet me, if you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. The wise, men, the wise men freak out and they suddenly admit that there's, there's no way that they can, um, that they can do this. Uh, in verse 10, it says the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do as the, what the king has asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. The Babylonians in this passage have revealed the type of wisdom that they possess. A selfish wisdom and a worldly wisdom. True wisdom cannot come from selfishness. Wisdom implies truth. Uh, The Babylonian wise men are in it only for themselves, um, which we can see from the king's immediate distrust of them. And they are willing to sacrifice this truth for their own personal gain. Also, their wisdom is worldly wisdom. It's coming from themselves. In verse 11, they confess that no one can reveal the dream to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Here we see a need for a deeper wisdom. In our lives, we're probably not going to see uh, wise men needing to interpret dreams and and figure out what the dreams themselves even are. Um, But all the time, we see wise men and women being wise and thrusting their wisdom upon us. Um, whether we want it or not. Um, Whether it be celebrities on Twitter, um, or books like The 12 Rules for Life, or The Power of Now, or Wherever You Go, There You Are. It could be other parents imparting wisdom about raising your child. Um, It could be posts on Facebook from some friend you've had since high school but haven't seen in years. My point is whether it's Nietzsche or the lady next door This wisdom is coming from us. In a lot of cases, that doesn't stop it being wisdom. But we as Christians know that there is a deeper spiritual wisdom found in God. Now, Daniel and his mates are in trouble because the wise men, they can't do it. Uh, The king was furious, uh, so much so that in verse 12 and 13, he, the king, ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent out to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. And that leads me to the next part of the passage and the second part of my sermon. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him, it says in verse 14, with wisdom and tact. Wisdom and tact. There's a difference, I think, between philosophy and wisdom. Uh, I started the sermon talking about all these different people and their big philosophical sayings, um, with their big pieces of philosophy. Um, but I think thinking about deep things and speculating on them is not necessarily being wise. It's just shower thoughts. If you don't know what shower thoughts are, look them up. A lot of them are hilarious. And a lot of them are actually true or weird. Um, but I think being wise, as we see here, is actually acting with wisdom. From, the first, from his first moment in this passage, Daniel is wise in the way he talks, in the way he makes decisions, in the way he keeps a cool head and asks questions. Because of this, he is able to go to the king for more time, which time was what he refused the Babylonian wise men earlier in the passage. He then, first thing he does is he grabs his mates and the first thing they do is plead for mercy from God says in verse 19 that that night, God reveals the mystery to Daniel. And Daniel's first response isn't, oh, nailed it. Look at how wise I am. It's a really beautiful prayer of praise. After this, Daniel um, goes to, the, goes to um, the, king, the commander of the king's guard um, and asks them to spare the wise men of Babylon. And he goes to the king with the dream, and before he tells the king about the dream, Daniel says, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And then in verse 30, As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know The interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. Immediately, that puts him apart from the Babylonian wise men who were only in it for their own gain. He is the opposite of both those points I raised um, about the Babylonian wisdom. He's not in it for himself. And he's saying here that the wisdom is not from himself. He stands before the king and says, It's not me. This wisdom, this understanding, this knowledge is from God. Daniel is bold and brave and serves God rather than himself. Once he says this, once he sets out who's actually figuring this out, he launches into the dream for the king. He tells of a statue with a head of gold, um, a, chest of ar- a chest and arms of silver. Uh, its belly uh, and thighs are bronze and its legs are made of iron and its, feet, its toes and feet are made of iron and baked clay. And then a rock is cut out, uh, and it says here, not by human hands, and it crushes the feet of this statue. It crushes the baked clay and the iron, and the entire statue is broken to pieces. So many little pieces that the wind is able just to blow it away. The rock itself then becomes a huge mountain that fills the whole earth. And so, yeah, it's a pretty strange dream, and not one that he could have just guessed, Um, So here we see in in Nebuchadnezzar's realization that, oh my gosh, this is actually legit, that this is true wisdom. But the true wisdom doesn't just go as far as figuring out someone's dream, but able to interpret it and understand as he goes on to do um, from verse 37. It says, your majesty, you are king of kings. You are the king of kings. But the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. And that's why you are the head of gold. But after you, there will, be, there will come another kingdom. And if they won't be as good as you. They'll be silver. Um, and they, they are the silver part of the head. They will be inferior to you. But then next, a third kingdom, um, the, the bronze part. And that kingdom will rule over the whole earth. Uh, finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. And it says here that for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks into pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. So this is a very powerful kingdom. But this kingdom too will, will come to an end as we get into the next one that's um, iron and clay. It is a divided kingdom. Yet it will still have some of the strength of iron in it. Despite having that, it says in verse 43, just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture, and it will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold pieces. King Nebuchadnezzar's dream shows the rise and fall of kingdoms across hundreds of years. But most importantly, at the end of this dream, it predicts Jesus. God uses a pagan king to foretell the coming of his son the one who will crush all the kingdoms on earth, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. There is nothing that can stand before God's kingdom and the all-encompassing reign of his son. Jesus will be the rock that smashes all the pain, all the iniquity, all the darkness in the world. And all we have to do is believe in him. When his kingdoms come, when his kingdom comes, he will be a solid, uncrushable mountain that will rule forever. Those who believe in him will receive something far better than what Daniel and his friends received from the king at the end of this chapter. Jesus invites us to spend eternity with him. Because the man who has the invincibility of a mountain and the power to crush nations died for us. He was crushed for our sin, for when we rely on our own wisdom. For our sin, when we turn away from God. For Daniel and his friends, what was wise was following God. And their wisdom, it was real and came from that. So for us today, what's wise now Is the same. What's wise now is following Jesus, and the rest will flow on from that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we know that your kingdom will last forever, that your wisdom is the truest wisdom, infallible wisdom. And thank you, Lord, that you have imparted it onto us, Lord, in your word and through your spirit. I pray that um, as we go out into the world in the next weeks and, and more, Lord, that we can see the wisdom that surrounds us um, and remember that although it's, although it's often good, your wisdom is better. Lord, I pray that we can rely on you and we can follow you. Lord, thank you so much for your son. And thank you so much that uh, as a result of his sacrifice, we can live with you forever in heaven. Thank you for that reality, Lord. Amen.
1: Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose any one you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Thanks again, and one way. Music is OK by Ixon.